Hello and welcome to the Win Win Effect podcast with your host, Chris Ross. This is the show for anyone that wants to drive productivity and maximize potential in any industry. Let's take a moment. Have you ever wondered about the psychology behind the persuasive marketing driving you to take action, sometimes on products you never thought people would buy? Well, that's just what makes this podcast stand out from the others. On these episodes, Chris will break down proven strategies that his companies use to respectably enroll prospective students into the correct programs to achieve overall business success and fulfillment in life. You will get a rare centralized look into both sides of the buyer-seller relationships that I'm sure anyone tuning in will receive massive value from to implement instantly. There are huge quantities of informational material from companies just trying to sell products, but not many giving you the right information on how to build companies from solid foundations, focusing on customers actually winning as the outcome. The Win-Win Effect podcast is a character-based code for human interaction and collaboration in business. Time is the only non-renewable resource in life. So with this podcast, the outcome is designed to bring you value to make it worth your time. Last week on the Win Win Effect podcast, Wes Bays and I discussed how to create a powerful follow-up to match a well-defined sales process. We're familiar with the art of circling back or just checking in. Whenever you get a reply or a dreaded next meeting with a qualified buyer where you have to repeat yourself. Frustrating, right? Please understand, strong relationships develop over time across multiple interactions. Yet, so many people invest tons of time and energy into qualifying the prospective buyer and doing practically no follow-up at all to build the relationship from there. For today's episode, I decided to invite sales trainer colleague Wes Bays back on to discuss how to prepare and do proper research for the next meeting. This episode goes as planned. We start talking a little bit further in detail how to define what you want and what the buyer wants from that meeting, how to apply gap analysis into your strategy to make more of an impact with your prospective buyer for them to identify what's missing for them reaching their goals. And this is where the conversation takes a huge shift. And sometimes you just have to go with it. So make sure you make it all the way through this episode because you do not want to miss the information that both of us share to be able to help prospective buyers see the big picture. Before we kick this up a couple notches and dive right in, take the time and click on the link in the description box where you will find show notes and any kind of offers that we mentioned in today's episode. Just to let you know, anything that we offer will be free and no charge to you. This is our way of showing our appreciation to everyone out there that tunes in for our podcast. All right, is everyone ready? Let's dive right in. Happy Money Monday, everybody, and welcome back, Wes. How's it going, man? Great, Chris. How are you? Come on now. We all know this is good. Mondays are great. (laughs) Best day of the week. That's right. Any day that ends in Y, my friend. We've been discussing a lot of information on, you know, how to align a proper follow-up into the stages of a well-defined process. And I know that there's a lot of different types of sales trainers out there that will give us a lot of different types of recommendation on how to align all these into your stages. 
especially when you're trying to reach an outcome, but then also increasing your conversion rates. In some of the sales courses that we, you and I have developed together, we go into a little bit more detail on how to do that with different personality types. But to stay on course and stay on track with the podcast, after you say, for instance, you qualify a prospective buyer, and then you have you give them an actual step. They're going through a training module if you're doing phone sales, or they're researching information and they're preparing some information, getting ready for the next meeting. What are some ways that you do some research and prepare for the next meeting you have with that prospective buyer? Yeah. So what's really important in this in that case is one, your follow-up process from that call needs to have actionable items that also give you some of the information you need mm. for your next call. Right. So that's that's number one because you don't you don't necessarily want to have to go through and dig through all these different areas to try to find what you need to be able to to close the gap on this client. Right. So What's important in this scenario is one, give them something. I usually give assessments or something along those lines that they'll fill out that gives me the information I need to know what this person actually needs from me on the next call and what they're going to need from me to actually make a buying decision. So that's that's usually my number one um, area. So I'll take that once they complete that and they need to for, in order for us to have a next call. And so once I get that in, I'm going to do my notes. I'm going to fill out based off of not just what they're telling me, inside of these assessments, but also what they're not telling me inside of these assessments. I'm going to figure out what does this person actually need me to do or say or take them through on the next call. Uh, other than that, I'm also going to search more about that person individually, also about the person's field. Right? It all depends on what I'm selling at that point. So any information I, I need, I mean, I've I've had, I used to have, um, back in the day, I had assistants that would pretty much stalk on, on social media, <laughs> right? And figure out more about this person, right? Because I need, because I want to understand more about the person's personality, right? So judging by someone's pictures, what they put out there, you know, if they have a picture of their dog or they have a picture of their, you know, kid or whatever, you're, you're starting to understand what kind of person that is, mm -hmm. uh, per, uh, potentially what kind of personality they have as well. You know, things along those lines. And I'm just using all of that as, as ammunition. But the best way to do in the shortest route is get the information from the client on that call or get them to do something for you so that then you have what you need in order to be able to have an effective next call. That's, that's a lot of information to prepare for. And there's a lot of deep level of understanding on what you're really trying to accomplish and a lot of effort. The effort you put in is usually the result that you will actually see kind of defining what you want from this type of relationship from the prospective buyer or client in that type of situation or what they're looking for. So what's in it for them? I always ask myself that question. I know it seems simple, but what's in it for them? How will it improve their current situation? Instantly, one year, two years, three years, five years, whatever they're looking for. Will it help them save money? Will it help them earn money? Or will it improve productivity? We talked a lot about kind of stalking on social media, right? I mean, I'm not going to stalk them completely, but I know what you mean by that. I want to gain enough information that I need to be able to do my job better and more efficiently. When I was doing consulting for trade schools and education, I used to have an assistant, which was secondary. And before I walked in that room, she would come in and ask if they wanted coffee, water, donuts, whatever it was. But she wasn't going in just to make it easier for them or getting something they needed. What she was there to do was gauging their room and reading that room for me. It's all, I mean, it's all in the preparation, right? So you said actually one thing that's key. And 
and that's have the outcome in mind. Mm-hmm. Right. So you you what's what ideally happens in this next meeting? Okay, what does that look like? Have you envisioned what the the ideal scenario looks like going into this next meeting? Now you have to you have to fill in the gaps, right? What potentially could go wrong? What potentially uh, could be the mood inside of that meeting? You know, based off of the personality type of this person that I gauged on the first call, what can I expect going into this call? What do I need to have prepared? How do I need to come into this call, right? So mm-hmm. you have to you have to really start thinking about all of those pieces and putting together the plan in place for the person to to actually be receptive to you the second you get onto that next meeting, right? So uh, if I if I'm working with a client and I have my first call with them and then through my first call and the discovery that I go through I find out that the person has you know four these four problems right the the first thing the first and I know that they're top of mind for that client the first thing I'm going to do going into that meeting I know is I'm going to address the four problems which is I'm going to say hey and I'm not going to address them right away but I'm going to let them know that I was listening from the call before. So I'm going to come and say, hey, I know that from our last meeting, I went, I had an opportunity to go through and break down these exact four problem areas that you said were very important to you. And I'm excited today because I'm going to get an opportunity to be able to show you exactly how you're able to overcome this, right? And mm-hmm. now the person, they understand that you've done your due diligence. They understand that you know what you're talking about and they're more receptive to that next meeting. So it's all in your preparation, but not just... It's not about facts. It's you have to understand the psychology about what's going on, right? So mm-hmm. you have to know that going into this this next meeting, what is going to get this person to actually want to take me seriously? What is going to get this person to actually want to take action on what I'm talking about? And the best way you can do that is knowing exactly what that person really wants and then making that the focus going into the next meeting. You mentioned something that triggered me just then. And it's identifying priorities and designing options for the prospective buyer and also angles for myself. I talked to you before about, and you know this personally about me, I'm a little bit more aggressive than most salespeople. However, I'm not aggressive when I'm trying to jam product or services down people's throat. I'm aggressive on my approach, looking for the right angles to making it worth my time. In my experience with clients, I've noticed a pattern with those who achieve their negotiation goals if they just sit back and listen. Everything that you do on that first call when you qualify to buyer, I don't care how many steps it is in your stages. Once you qualify that prospective buyer and there is a level of trust and you are the person of influence, how you show up for your next meeting speaks volumes to that prospective buyer. I don't give a shit who you are. So I look at it as an opportunity to show my worth now. I'm going to prove it. When people walk in late to their meetings or not prepared and have no and just trying to wing it, I'm telling you right now, you do that shit with an analytical buyer, they're going to eat you alive because they're looking for data. They're looking for numbers. They're looking for percentages. They're looking for profit margins. Me being able to put that much effort into how I pre-call analysis and then me going into looking for the opportunities and what's most important for them, the must-haves, what are some likes that they will want? What are the benefits? How can I really prepare in knowing my and making sure that I'm going to give off that perception to them that I got my shit together? How can I do that properly? Do you think? Well, there's there's a lot of ways. The best thing that you can do, I, I do this with a lot of the a lot of my businesses right now, is that one, I'll send the client something. It could be an agenda. It could be a uh, you know a proposal, but I don't usually have numbers in there. It could be mm-hmm. an analysis of some sort. Right. So in one of my businesses, we do um, website analysis 
And so we'll send a website analysis before our call that comes in. So it's giving somebody something to look at. And it also shows that we've been doing our due diligence. So that's number one. Then now that they have that to look forward to now, when we're jumping on that next call, I can make that a focus point. Hey, did you receive my analysis? You did great. Okay. What's, what stood out to you from that? Okay. Cause I'm going to go over some key points here that I really think you need to be looking at. And I took the time to be able to put together this properly for you so that you're going to get the most out of our meeting today. Right. So, but I, you have to have that level of, you, know, you have to be able to show them that you, you're somebody that actually cares about what they're doing. So say you're in a face-to-face meeting, right? So I used to, when I was in finance, I used to, it was all face-to-face meetings. I didn't do anything over the phone. And so in that scenario, say you have a presentation, kind of like what you were talking about before, Chris, I can have, you know, my assistant or one of my colleagues or, or anybody walk into that meeting before I walk in, when the customer comes in, greet them and then give them the proposal or, or the, the agenda of what we're going to go through today and then offer them, you know, whatever it is, water, coffee, anything, and have them and give them some instructions on what to look at before I come in. Right. So now it's like, okay, we have a very structured meeting. I look very structured to that person. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially like you said, an analytical person, that's a beautiful thing. You get them start looking at numbers and they walk in and then you walk in, you're, they're going to be so impressed by you. It's going to be unbelievable. Right. Because then you're just going to dive right. right in. And so the, that's really what it is. It's just putting the time and effort to giving the client the best experience possible when they're going to come onto that, especially your, your closing call. But whatever call that they're coming to, you want them to have a good experience and know and and get onto a journey, right? That's the biggest thing. They're on a journey with you. It's not just the next call. It's just an, it's the next milestone, right? And they're just going through it with you. So really the way I prepare is I'm going to take all the data I got from the person on that first call or anything that they did for me. And then also I'm going to base my whatever proposal analysis, anything I sent to them, I'm going to have the key points of what they wanted and their problems, needs, anything else inside of that to show them that I was listening, to show them that I know exactly what they're looking for. And now I'm going to step into that next call and I'm going to address those things right off the bat and let them know today we're going to talk about what really matters to you. Because at the end of the day, the only thing your client cares about is what you can do for them. So everything you do, you make it about what you can do for them and you just go above and beyond what other people are going to do. You can't go wrong going that way. If you qualified your prospective buyer, and you mentioned something, and I want to touch on it, make sure all the listeners are understanding this completely. When you're doing your pre-call analysis or pre-meeting analysis, and then you're kind of figuring out what angles and what are the things you want to talk about and how you present, but your opening statement says everything. It's how you start and how you finish. Whatever happens in the middle, it does. it's irrelevant. You can gain control of your a real true sales professional or sales advisor and are viewing you that way as an expert, you can gain and lose your rapport at all times. It goes up and down. It doesn't matter. Aristotle, the great, the famous Greek philosopher, he put it best when he says, persuasion is the art of getting someone to do something they wouldn't do until you ask. With me saying that real quick, and that's something I always remember when I was studying sales and then start studying the psychology and the science behind sales. To be able to persuade someone to do something, you're going to need to be able to present it in a certain way where it's a no-brainer for them. So how you start and how you finish is always going to be positive. But here are the things that I'm going to talk about that is most important for you. Now I'm going to do is based off of your responses and the things that I discover in this meeting, 
is I'm going to make a right decision on how I'm able to help you get to that outcome. And what is it going to take for you to see the urgency that you need to apply to make the right decision? How I just presented that and kind of like framed it, anchoring and framing. We talked a lot about this before. We even have two episodes on a podcast now because we had to break it up because it was so long. Anchoring and framing are two beautiful skills that you're going to need to develop. We all agree. Yes? Of course. I frame everything that I do. So in this meeting, I'm going to frame that I'm the motherfucker is going to help them and it's going to solve their problems. And I'm about to prove it now based off of me doing my homework, gap analysis. And I'm not talking about going into breaking it down very strategically and with templates and there are certain things you can do and certain things you can't do. But what is gap analysis for those who don't don't have an understanding of what that is? So to put it in simple terms, and this is how I would put it for your typical salesperson, um, this is how you want to think about it as a salesperson. And a gap analysis is you putting the time to figure out what is that customer going to need from point A where they are now to get to point B. And what you're going to do is you're going to fill in the gaps to allow them to be able to go through that and get to the ideal outcome in the most efficient amount and in the most efficient way possible. So I hope that kind of answers the question. But basically what I'm trying to do, Chris, is put it into words that really a normal salesperson can use. Right. It's like, where are they now? Where do they want to be? How do you close the gap? What is the best way for you to make an impact? Here's consulting one-on-one. If anyone's an independent consultant or trying to consult for a company or anybody, you need to make sure that you are going to present a, a solution that's going to help them make the right decision based off of what they pay for you or what your value is. Here's what you, here's what my cost would be for you. I'm not looking for anything until you get to this dollar amount or get to this percentage. Would that be something that could help you understand that I'm trying to do what's best for your company and you as a buyer? It's how you present. Every, there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to sales. That's what everyone doesn't understand about all these moving parts. Well, when you own a business, you can control the moving parts, depending on you know what type of CEO you are. But understanding how you close that gap with them, with the potential and performance and time, these are all metrics that can help anybody succeed in life, let alone business. I'll make an example um, for those who love numbers. Say, for instance, if you're growing at 8%, and you want to be growing at 30% a year or for three years, you want to consider how much revenue you have currently and how much you'll have in three years at your current pace. I hope that makes sense. No, and that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, bringing it back to, to the sales part of that, you do the same thing, right? I mean, you think about the outcome in mind, right? So when you're breaking down those numbers, you're thinking about the outcome, which is the 30%, and then you're breaking it back down all the way to what is the gap on the dollar amount that you need, right? You do the same thing as as a salesperson, right? So when you're doing a gap analysis as a salesperson, you're like, okay, my client is at A. So ideal outcome is B. So now that I know what the ideal outcome looks like, what are all the things that need to happen? And the best way to do is work backwards, right? Work one step at a time backwards until you get back to A. So, you know, if this person's ideal outcome is to, you know, buy a car for 50 grand, Okay, now the, the outcome is 50 grand, right? And buying this car for 50 grand. Now you can work your way backwards to figure out how that person is going to afford that car. What do they need to do? 
And that's what actually is going to open you up to know what questions to ask, what you what information you need to gather, right? Because I'm trying to solve for B, which also means I need these numbers. Okay, I need to understand this situation, right? So I need to ask these questions. And now you're filling in the gaps so that you can get all of the, the necessary information you need to put together a proper solution that's one, going to emotionally you know, feed that person and what they need and also logically make sense for them that's going to allow them to be able to do it, right? And that's how you're, that's how you're going to create an irresistible offer for them to where it's like, well, this, this of course, this makes sense. There's, there's no way I wouldn't do this because it, it's well-rounded and it completely fits the picture in which that person is looking for. Does that mean like for them to visualize it themselves without you telling them? Absolutely. So when you're work when you're working it backwards like that and you can break it down for the client, you're gonna they're gonna develop, they're gonna be able to picture that whole thing throughout that process. And now it logically makes sense to them, but it's stuck in their head as if it's even their own idea. Now there's no way they can do anything else because the interest, right, or that that need that they have logically now they can see how it can happen for them. So there's no way they're going to go backwards on it. The reason why I asked you that question is for analytical buyers, very much data-driven or numbers-driven. If you're able to help them visualize the outcome they're looking for with that potential solution, they don't like a lot of emotion unless they come to that type of decision themselves. Based off of my discovery, and here's the numbers. Can you see that this could actually get you to where you want to be in business? Like, yeah, I can. So what are some things that jump out to you and maybe potential setbacks? And then they'll repeat it. And I'm like, well, what will that do for your business, do you think? Now they're going to tell you the emotion. Does that make sense? Right. Absolutely. So it's all about how tying in that emotion to that logic, but then justifying that logic with their own interpretation. So being specific about the gap is very important. Digging deeper and determining why the gap has occurred. Based off of what I learned from you just now, is there something else that you're not mentioning to me? Because something's not adding up. So this is the part where you need to really be a detective. So people tell me all the time, you don't have leverage on that second call. Bullshit. I got a lot of leverage, especially if they don't tell the truth. Well, what if you find some things out, Wes, that doesn't really go with their story? What do you do? Oh, that's that's perfect leverage because one thing you never do is you never go out and you flat out tell them, hey, what's up? You know, well, you told me this, but I just found out this. But you, what you, what you have to do in that scenario is you have to you have to help them fall into that hole, right? And by asking the right questions so that you can get that the actual truthful answer, right? And it's just the way that you frame it, right? We talked about this before. It's how you frame that question. Now, what's important. Um, you know, not to get off topic, but what's important in this scenario and getting to an expert level as a salesperson is when you understand how to close that gap, like take an analytical person, for example, if, if you can actually have the building blocks of that gap and what needs to happen for them to get to that ideal outcome, what you really want to do is not do it all for them, but create a situation where they can actually build their own and fill their own gap Mm -hmm. to get to that outcome. So that's completely their idea. So an analytical person I'm always giving them, especially, you know, most of my sales processes are more than one call. So I'm giving them assignments to do. So I need you to put together this, you know, this set of data, this set of data, this set of data, right? And this is your ideal outcome you're looking to get to, in your your case, Chris, 30%. So I need you to break down the exact numbers of what you need to happen in order to get to that 30%. I'm going to do the same on my end and we're going to come together and figure out how we're going to, we're going to be able to get you there. So now 
you flip the table to where it's not about me telling you I can help you get to 30%. Now the goal is 30%. And you're not thinking about me anymore. You're thinking about, okay, now I need to, how do I get to 30%? And then Wes and I are going to work together to get to it. And that's how you get to an expert level in sales is when someone's not viewing you as a salesperson anymore. They're really, they're viewing you as their advisor and someone who's there to help them throughout their journey. And that's exactly why I had those numbers on my desk. Because not that I shared it with a prospective buyer, I wanted to see what numbers he come up with first. You're telling me, you know what I think she told me? No bullshit. True story. My gap is $30 to $1. And I was like, motherfucker, you're off <laughs> by $63. I come up with 94. How the hell did you come up with 31? What do you think that, where do you think that conversation went? Well, now, now it's time to actually prove it, right? So now she's, mm-hmm. now once, once now you've established, once she sees that you were the one that's correct, you just developed a whole nother level of authority at this point. I have all the leverage now. I have everything that I need to be able to apply enough pressure, if possible, and if you know if it's appropriate at any time. But you know, of course, I'm gonna give them a chance, and that's what you always trust but verify, Ronald Reagan. And I, and I really like that quote because it's true. I don't. I trust in what everyone's gonna tell me or do, but you need to dig a little deeper and determine why the gap has occurred in the first place. That's another angle. Walk me through. Before we get into the numbers, and there's a huge gap, even with what you come up with on your own than I did, and there maybe it could be some of the things that I didn't do properly on my end. I'm always going to give them benefit of doubt. But let me at first ask you a couple questions to see if I can dig in a little deeper and determine why this gap has occurred in the first place. Then I'm going to pause. Based on his response, I know what angle to go with. Do you see how I baited him? Uh, Absolutely. So me baiting them isn't baiting them to do anything that's going to hurt them. It's for me to make more of an impact with my next question or my next statement. To make it all make sense to people that maybe haven't gotten that far into negotiating tactics or skills. How did you learn this over the years? So for me, it started in when I was in financial services because everything I did was numbers. You figured everything out through numbers, but you you proved it through emotion and logic, right? That's how you got to the got to the sale was through that piece, right? So I would break down everything for the client and then I would go to make the sale. But what the what part I was struggling with in the beginning was the fact that I had this extremely logical plan. I mean, it couldn't make any more sense even if I tried for this client. But when I'd go to present it, it's like I was talking a whole nother language because to them, they all make sense when they look at it but they still don't want to take action. So that forced me into, into that level of thinking, right? To, to where I'm like, okay, I, I get it. I'm doing what the client actually needs, but they just don't see it. That was my gap. My gap was that and that they don't really trust me at the time. So those were the, really the two things I was facing. So my outcome at that point is, yes, I, make, I close the sale, but the other outcome is that the person trusts me. And actually, this makes sense to them on not just a logical level, but an emotional level that they feel like they absolutely have to take advantage of this right now. And so I started to close that gap. And that and that came through my preparation, which we're talking about today. And, and how, and that preparation on the numbers, I was already doing preparations there, but my preparation on what that person's actually going to experience as I go through this with them. And I was specifically them filling the gaps of where I needed to involve the client. This is where 
I started to really learn this piece of ownership was I needed to involve the client in coming up with the best scenario for them, guided by me, but they feel like it's completely for, you know, on them, right? So, but they feel really good about it at the end because now they feel like it's something that they can actually, that they actually did for themselves. And that was the biggest piece, right? And then they really liked me because I've just made everything that they've been stressed out about make complete sense to them. So that's where, and of course, you know, as I went on with my career and I learned from different people and I saw how different people like yourself, Chris, do things and, you know, and, and it just sharpened my skill set a lot more to where now that's what I focus on the most. I focus on that piece, the outcome in mind. How do I make sure that this person gets what they need? I don't care about myself. I don't care about what I have to say or what I have to do. None of that matters. All that matters is that I'm giving the client exactly what they need and nothing less. So everything they need from words that I need to tell them, you know, the way that they need to feel, okay, numbers I need to give them, anything and everything that's going to get that person to take ownership, to really feel like this is the best thing for them and make the decision. But most importantly, view me as like if I am their, you know, brother or sister or something, someone that they can confide in that they know has their best interests at heart. And I'm going to walk them, walk them through that way. And that's a beautiful way that you just put it because it, that's where the moral obligation comes into play. And then being confident enough to be able to come in with that potential solution, clarify the need or gap and create the urgency indirectly based off of your presentation and your research. My question is going to be also structured around how much, what does their budget look like and can they afford the solution in the first place? I'm not going to waste my time. Asking revenue related questions are important. I was like, well, Mr. or Mrs. Prospects, would you please rank the current state of your business on a scale from one to 10? And then you can go with these, that kind of question. Or you can go with, you know, how will this project get funded if I decide to recommend this for you? Yeah. I mean, why do you think when you go into a car dealership, the first thing they're trying to get you to do is uh, put in an application so they can check your credit? Right. Because no one wants to show you a thousand cars and have you waste three days of their time if you can't even actually buy the thing, right? So same principle, if, the, if that's part of the qualifying process, you should know that person can or will be able to obtain the necessary funding to be able to go to do whatever your project is. And if you don't ask a lot of tie down questions and qualifying questions and qualify them properly, you're setting yourself up for failure because there's nothing worse. And in Obviously, me learning how to be able to understand how to present and who to present to is a <laughs> is probably one of the most important you know ways that you can force yourself to prepare for your meetings better. But also going into their comfort zone, they might have the resources, right? Well, they might have you know the gap that they need to happen, and you create enough urgency, but it's out of their comfort zone. What do you do now, Wes? You know what I mean? So there's a lot of deciding factors when you're coming in with gap analysis or going into how to research and prepare for that second meeting. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, the one thing is, from my experience, if somebody usually has the money, in most cases, they don't want to let go of the money, right? So yeah, you have to, it goes beyond that. Finding out if they have the money is just one part of it. Right. You, know, you have to really look into, yeah, that's where the gap analysis comes in. You have to look at every potential objection or hurdle that you can come across that's going to stop you from being able to actually make your proposal happen. And that objection or hurdle can come from something that's not the buyer, right? It could be something that's a circumstance, right? So you have to, you have to find out every bit about the client. That's why I, I hate people that, 
I shouldn't use the word hate, but I can't stand when people, uh, you know, when people make proposals blind. It's like, I'm hoping and praying. Right, I'm hoping and praying that, that this person. That's not even a word, bro. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like, right. It's like, I, it's like, I hope, I really hope this person has the funds and the interest, you know, and the will to actually want to do this. No, you should, you should go into your closing all just needing to sign some paperwork because you know for a fact this person is going to do what what you're telling them to do because you have you have tied down and we've talked about this before you have tied down every piece of that process to make sure that there is no gap in them being able to go through that hole and say no to you get you have pulled in every gap you have closed every gap with that client and you fully understand exactly what that client's going to do how they're going to do it and when they're going to do it you know i know that you know a lot of times on you know, sales trainings and sales trainers, they never give anything out in value for free. And I think that's why we received a lot of messages and emails over the last, you know, few months when we launched this podcast, because I, my attention was on getting programs and, and scaling my other businesses and what not really looking into how can we set up a sales course or a sales business for people and giving them more help, because there's only so much we can talk about on podcasts, right? I know that we, we've already got this built in a pre-course and whatnot. Can you walk some listeners through some maybe some ideas for them to get more sales training to that way they're able to make more impact in their careers? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one, you have to seek it, right? You have to actually want it. You know, so if, if there's plenty of resources out there now, obviously, if people like what they're hear, hearing here, um, you know, we do have right now we're putting we put together um, a sales training course where, you know, Chris is going to go through and, and really kind of break things down into a lot of detail into so much detail that you really should. I mean, if you don't get value from it, then then I'm going to question where you are in your career. But there's a lot of a lot of value in there. Um, and it's completely free. That's one, something that we've never seen before. And people really need to take advantage of it right away. Okay, so um, can we, Chris, can we have it here inside of uh, below this uh, podcast episode? Maybe they can click on it and get access to that. Absolutely. Guys, it's completely free. All you have to do is just click on a link, put your email in. That's a wrap. I would definitely you know, take advantage of that. If you know anybody else that could benefit from that type of program, I'm, I'm wide open for it. I just want to help. That's all we want to do, Wes, is just help people. So it's hard for me to get... you know, <laughs> I've, I think all the years that I've been in, you know, in, this, in this industry in sales, it's harder to give away a free program than sell one for 100K, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, when something is such a low commitment, right? People people don't value it as much, right? That's what I found. But it's amazing how much you can learn from so much that that people give away for free. I mean, you look at this podcast, for example, and things that we go over, and it's if you know if you if you really internalize it and make it your own and and really mm -hmm. follow it, you can you have that, that's the beautiful thing is that you as a human being have the ability to become whatever you want to become as long as you're willing to work at it. Right. And put in the effort. And right. so like the fact that, you know, you're giving away a sales course for free. I think that's one that's I've never seen that before. And that's a beautiful thing. And people, you know, if you really are looking and serious about becoming better in sales and becoming great, you owe it to yourself to, to start learning and start growing. And, you know, if you're following us here and you're getting a lot of value from this, I would definitely recommend that you take a look. Uh, and you get access to that for free and, and start watching that because there's there's things inside of there, inside of those videos that if you, like I said, if you really own it and you really follow it, you're going to spike your sales career like you've never seen before. But isn't that what we're all after in the first place anyway is to improve? I frequently get asked, 
why do I give away so many free courses and material? It comes from a belief in abundance and have a strong conviction that there's enough in the world for everybody. One of the biggest shifts that I personally made in my career, Wes, was realizing that there's three worlds that people live in. There's people that think there's not enough in the world. There's people that think there's just enough in the world. Then there's people that made that shift over and completely believe in abundance and realize there's more than enough for everybody. I want everyone to understand that your perception becomes your reality, which is why belief in abundance and there's plenty enough for everyone over scarcity, there's only so much in the world, and I'm afraid I won't get my peace, makes such a big difference in our ability to execute in business, especially in sales. I know that you and I have had a lot of conversations about having a strong conviction in abundance. I think it's probably important as well for you to mention how much of belief in abundance has made an impact in your career. That made more of an impact on me than any dollar amount I've ever made. Because when when you truly make that shift, your perception, like you said before, Chris, your perception changes and your focus changes. And wherever your focus goes is what grows, right? And so and that's in all areas of your life. And so when I truly made that shift, mm-hmm. I mean, when I first made that shift, I didn't go and start making millions of dollars, right? And when I made that shift, it was it was the the peace I had inside, right? And and the the stress that I had before, because I was in at the time I was in mounds of debt, right? And and there was just so much stress on me. But I made that shift while in that state. That's what's important. I made that shift while in that state. You don't make that shift when things get better. When things get better, you usually take them for granted. You make that shift, it's more powerful when you make it in a time where you don't feel like it's possible for yourself. And when that happened, that's when I started creating wealth. That's when I got out of debt is when I made that shift then. So if you're in a position now where you're telling yourself, well, when I get to this point, I will do this, you know, or I will become like this. Or yeah, you already lost. Right. If I, yeah, you already right. lost. If I had the money, I would feel like this too. I promise you. You have to start feeling that now in order to have the things that you want to have. Makes it easier to always be in a grateful state that way as well. I mean, you could quickly think about all the things that you don't have in life and be upset. Then you could think about all the things that you do have. I mean, there's a flip side to this as well. There's a lot of wealthy people that I've met that have all the material things in life, but are completely poor. This is where you see a lot of people that have a lot of mental health issues, but they think money can fix that shit. That's not the case. Change comes from within, internally. Then it starts manifesting your reality and changing externally. Also comes from the people that you surround yourself with. Are they uplifting? Are they helping you? Wes, this is where you know we've had a lot of conversations as well, is that as soon as my circle started to become a little smaller... I become a little clear about what I needed to do to move forward and what was best for me and what was best for my family. And what was best for me at that time was to dedicate everything that I had into tapping into my true potential. I mean, this is something I've seen you do well over the years and making that shift. Once you start realizing, you know, what you're capable of and everyone has the ability and the natural ability to do anything they want in life. But not a lot of us choose or make that choice or decision on what we need to do to make it happen. That's why I have a strong belief and a conviction that you can't make that shift unless you completely believe in abundance and want the best for everybody. 
and I hope everyone listening to this understands completely what I'm trying to say, is because you could take all the money I've ever made in my life and all the accolades and the accomplishments and whatnot away from me, all the businesses and everything. I promise you, it's not going to take me long at all to reproduce everything I have right now. Because I have all the tools and the skills and the mindset to be able to do it over and over again. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you have you have a value that's not monetary that will allow you to create that monetary value. What the, the, the Here's the amazing thing is that, you know, this is why we don't focus on money is because money, you can always make a lot of it. Right? You can always make a ton of money. Right. You know, once once you know how you can't not know how. Right. But here's the one thing I always say is I, I when I look at someone who is kind of rising to success, I'm like, I can't wait until they hit half a million dollars or I can't wait till they hit a million dollars. Why? Because mm-hmm. you quickly realize that making more of it, that's not what's going to satisfy you. That's not what's going to fulfill you. It's mm-hmm. actually it's, it's a whole nother thing. It's the journey. But here's what happened with me is I actually started selling off businesses. I started taking away myself from different opportunities that were making me money because they weren't in alignment with my overall vision. Because that's what you turn to. You turn to your vision. And who do I want to be? When I wake up every single day, who do I want to be? What do I want to be remembered for? And what is the impact that I want to make? And once I had that clear in my head, I needed to take everything away from me that wasn't in alignment, no matter how much money it was producing. Because I can always produce more money, but I need it to be in alignment with where I'm headed. I think what jumped out to me the most when you said that, Wes, was that if you're selling off businesses and whatnot because it's not aligned to what your vision is and what you're trying to accomplish, you were so conscious of that that you had to make that tough decision, even though that was making you money. I mean, people can say the same thing about your social circle, and the people you spend the most time with. If they're holding you back, you're going to have to make that tough decision. Like a lot of you, a lot of you probably listening to this, have these people that are completely holding you back and you're not the love and the love that you have for them. Or maybe it's just that you don't have that person that you know that could help you and you know, they're hurting you, but don't really don't have a lot of people around you that you trust. And that's holding you back. It's destroying you. And there's probably people who are going to be listening to this and going, is that why I don't talk to Chris anymore? Yes. It's just that at some point I made a decision that I love myself more. I, I want to frame the way that my life is going to look like. I made some tough decisions in my life, Wes, that I can love people from a distance. We've talked a lot about this, is that I need to be able to plant the right seeds, watch, be able to create the environment to be able to give it everything it needs and nurture, nurture that seed, help it growing into a root, sustain strength and power to build and grow when the timing's right. Preparation is, you know, is will create the right opportunity for you if you're willing to put in the work. And that's why the sales course is there, is that I will provide people an opportunity and give it away for free when people are charging, you know, God knows how much money for mediocre shit, <laughs> right? I, I, I just much rather try to help people because I know that I have a platform right now and we have a platform to be able to do things that, doesn't really provide a lot of revenue for us, but it's just the way that we want to be able to help the industry or express ourselves. I think this is another podcasting is another way to reach out to people indirectly and having them understand who you are. I think you're able to prove it that way. Would you agree? I, I would agree. I mean, here's the thing is, you know, the more value you give, 
you know, eventually the more value you get. But again, when we're focused on a vision and that vision is to help as many people as we can get a level of to a level of success that's meaningful to them, then you don't care about trying to, to monetize and get every dollar you possibly can. You're focused on the mission. Here's the thing. Money will always come. You know, money will always come as long as you're making an impact and as long as you understand your value, you know, but we're in a position where it's, you know, give first and, you know, seeing that that one person, it could just be one person, even on, you know, listening to this podcast, seeing that one person get something from this or, or make a success out of themselves, whether it's not, you know, it doesn't matter how much we influence them, them along the journey. That's what makes me happy. That's what makes me excited. That's what makes me want to get up every single day. And that's why I love coming out of these podcasts is because that's all it is. It's just that one person that we can impact. Yeah. My team sent me <laughs> this review and you know how like people rate and review your podcast on, you know, Apple podcast or whatever it was. Yeah. They sent me the, <laughs> they sent me the review and it said, I don't even know who it is. It said, it's somebody named Mary. And I don't know the person, but apparently I was in contact with them years ago. But let me read this to you. And this made such a huge impact for me. It says, thank you, thank you, thank you. The legend Chris Ross. I worked for one of his competitors years ago. And I remember the meetings of just trying to stop him from killing our sales month after month. What makes Chris so effective in his own way of training his methods, he can train it to anyone. And that's a special gift. Like receive, like reading reviews and reading nice messages, does that give you more motivation as much as it does for me? Oh yeah, because it it just it's a point of it's a validation, right? It tells you that someone out there is listening, right? And someone is actually getting something from what you're talking about, and that's what fuels you to to want to keep going. Because right? if I know that I'm impacting someone, then I want to keep giving as much as I can because I want to keep helping that person, and that's what drives me. Right, it meant the world to me, uh, Mary. You got to send an email and and explain what company you are working for and whatnot. But I ever from time to time, and that's the the thing that motivates me indirectly is watching the impact that I'm making with people, and in, in different capacities. I mean, I'm still doing sales, just doing it in a different capacity for the people that really want to make that impact and receive messages like that. However, you are motivated. Um, I, I definitely recommend you at least trying us out and trying out a free course and then go take it from there. That's what we can do. I guess anything you want to close with, Wes? No, just to kind of second what you were saying. I mean, like I said, you owe it to yourself. Give it a shot. Other than that, make it a, a great Monday and uh, we'll see you all next week. So as always, ask yourself, how can you get a little bit better each day? That 1%. Keep moving, keep growing, keep learning. Let's go with our day. Take care. taking your time and listening to today's podcast of the win-win effect as a thank you for listening and tuning in chris is rewarding you with a placement course webinar with his team to point you in the right direction to massive success in success it's all about living a better quality of life so at the very least subscribe to the win-win effect podcast so you don't miss the next episode feel free to share on your social media or simply tell a friend about it also please rate and review the podcast to find the free webinar and more information please visit tcrconsultingagency.com